Welcome to Unapologetically Asian, the place where we talk about navigating through adulthood as Asian Australians. You're joined as always by Tiana and Twee. Hello, how are we all today? We hope that you're starting or finishing the day with good vibes only. Mm-hmm. All right, Diana. So what are we speaking about today? We are talking about the crazy, crazy world that is the K-pop industry. Does the K in K-pop stand for crazy? We're about to find out. <laughs> so basically in this episode, we're going to cover a couple of different things. We're going to cover the amazing way that k-pop actually started um Mm -hmm. and the history behind that it's super super interesting toy and i did a bit of research watched a lot of documentaries (laughs) about it um just to get a bit of background information um and also about how k-pop actually infiltrated the western radio waves Mm -hmm. i don't know if that's the right way to say it (laughs) Uh, we also want to touch on what makes a k-pop idol group Mm-hmm. Um, and also, we're going to be talking about the dark side the of dark K-pop. Side. Mm-hmm. So, with everything, obviously, there's going to be pros, but there's also going to be some cons, so some scandals mm-hmm. and some other salacious details that we will <laughs> divulge in a second. So, mm-hmm. yeah, tweet. What is K-pop? Uh, K-pop is Korean pop. Mm-hmm. Let's take you guys on a bit of a bit of a journey i know we seem to do this a bit with some of our episodes (laughs) every single one of our episodes is a journey (laughs) (laughs) let's strap into a time machine um and we're gonna go back to kind of see where the origins of k-pop came from yeah right okay so there's this term and it's called heliu um by the way i'm notorious for butchering words so really really apologize if i've offended (laughs) any koreans that might be listening in it's so funny i'm sure tiana I know you have and I have as well, but we've consumed like millions and millions of hours worth of K-dramas and everything, yeah. but I still feel like I've picked up absolutely nothing from it. Yeah, I'm so sorry <laughs> in advance. Um, so it's Hallyu, so H-A-L-L-Y-U, and this basically translates to the Korean wave. So this was kind of the period of time in history where um, South Korean pop culture, so that includes K-pop, it also includes Korean dramas um, and all of these other amazing pop culture phenomenas basically made a scene. And so mm. this wave actually started for a number of different reasons and one of them has to do with the Asian financial crisis. So this mm. occurred in like the late 90s. You know, Korea was going through the ringer. <laughs> they basically owed a lot of debt to the IMF and they weren't in a great place. The government thought, okay, we need to have a plan to not only rebrand Korea's image because Korea at the time had a bit of a bad rep because, you know, they owed a lot of debt. They weren't really in the good books with a lot of other countries. Um, And another reason is that they wanted to obviously increase their economic prosperity as well. So Mm -hmm. what happened on the back of that is they um, decided to actually invest in in culture and in the arts. Mm. So they thought culture could be the country's next biggest export industry. How interesting is that? Selling music and the culture as a sort of commodity. Yeah, for sure. So they actually vowed to dedicate 1% of the budget to the cause. And they also had a framework act of the promotion of cultural industry. So this was enacted in 1999. And it's a law that was passed that was devoted to increasing the arts or investing into the arts. 
um, which was really, really interesting. So I guess like another factor that contributed to the Hallyu or the Korean wave was they lived on the foreign travel ban for local Koreans. So Koreans couldn't go overseas. And the reason being was because they wanted to keep spending within the country. So they limited foreign travel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, pretty much Koreans were able to explore the Western world. And with that, they brought back bunch of new perspectives and different forms of expression kind of gave birth to like a new pool of fresh young talent one of the big boy brand groups that came out of this was Seo Taji and the boys and they definitely made their mark on history like wow they were very very influential at the time they had a massive influence over the culture like for example anything they wore became like a massive trend um they brought elements of hip-hop um they b-boy they danced um and apparently that was really looked down upon as well like the dancing styles and just like dancing in general or just those forms of expression weren't really looked well upon but you know they brought it back they made it big and they made it impact and that kind of opened the floodgates to mm-hmm. the world of k-pop that you guys see now i think i guess the industry found or realized what potential you know this sort of industry had so mm. what came out of it was a bunch of like music studios that kind of jumped onto the trend jumped into the scene and um, there were three main ones and they're also, um, I think some of them were founded by the OG members of Seo Taiji and the boys, which is quite interesting. But, um, the three groups were SM Entertainment or no, also known as SM Town, YG Entertainment, who was founded, um, which was founded by Young Hyun Suk and also JYP Entertainment as well, um, created by JY Park. What was really unique, I guess, about these, um, uh, entertainment companies was that they, found a formula right Mm. they discovered like some sort of formula some sort of way to create idol groups that they knew would be successful and would be kind of like become money makers for them and what you said before toy about sayo taji and the boys people started seeing how impressionable they were like they were like Mm. holy shit there is a bit of a trend here where an entertainment group can actually leave a huge influence on on young people Mm. and because of that they saw a bit of a market opportunity right yeah so these groups they found that there was this formula and I think I've read somewhere as well that instead of calling them groups they also call them concepts because it's kind of like an idea that they have like for an example um some groups that really made wave are you know Big Bang um 2PM I'm just naming Girls Generation. Uh, okay, so yeah. the- <laughs> okay, what about what? <laughs> so funny. Off, off, um, off recording before we were naming some of the groups, and then Tiana's like, "Oh, two N E one." I'm like, "I'm sorry, who? You mean twenty one? She's like, what? "I'm so sorry." <laughs> I was like, "Holy shit, it makes funny. sense." Um, yeah, as you can hear, like I. I'm not as well-versed in these K-pop groups (laughs) as others, but I do still have a very big appreciation for them. I think what they've done, especially for Asian culture, is phenomenal. Mm. Um, So, yeah, these the the process is kind of like, okay, so there'll be step one. Step one is these groups will go find or scout for these idols, right? So they'll go out and have a look to see, does does someone have the potential to be an, an idol, whether it be through their look, whether it be through their dancing ability or their charisma mm. or their singing ability. So yeah, like there's a bit of a scouting process, but there's mm. also, I think, a bit of an audition process, right? Where yeah. people actually audition to become an idol. Um, Have you heard of on-street scouting? 
Like the no. people would literally go on the street, and like that's how oh. some people were picked up. They'll literally go on the street and they'll look for people who they find, you know, physically attractive, whatnot, mm. and then they'll scout them. For example, um, Kim Sok Jin from BTS, he mm-hmm. was actually scouted from the street. Oh so, really? Yeah, he didn't audition or anything. Well, um, I think, but like pretty much they scouted him. He said yes, I guess, and then he learned how to sing and dance from scratch Mm. so that's the second step that we'll go into now the training to sing and act like I'm not sure if you guys have and I would recommend it actually it's really interesting I just spent hours like watching these YouTube (laughs) videos of these hopeful young trainees that want to make it in as an idol and holy shit their schedule is fucked tell me about it they like literally dedicate their entire lives to try to make it and try to debut Mm. um, as an idol and so like you're competing against so many other people yeah basically you have to be in the best shape of your life you have to be on very strict diets I know I know we're saying a lot of like the negatives behind it and obviously there's positives out of it but I think what the point we're trying to make is that it's very hard work to be an Mm. idol right like you have to have a lot of respect for those that are currently in these groups because they work extremely hard you know training every day with their music and with with their dancing and, mm. and everything like that it's it's really like impressive to be honest yeah. and not to mention these kids are really young like a majority of them are like our kids yeah yeah like you know still teenagers and they're mm-hmm. literally sacrificing their like teenagerhood is that even a word but their teenage years to practice like tirelessly and mm. You know, waking up at ridiculous hours, 4 a.m.s and stuff like that to just get enough practice in to stay up, like keep up with the tight regimen that they have. And then also like after that, the top dogs of these entertainment groups assemble these people into polished groups. So I'm going to I'm going to put polished in bold here because when it comes to these idol groups, they really need to work hard to maintain an image, right? Like Mm. they are very squeaky clean. 100%. Like if you were to contrast it with like Spice Girls or um, <laughs> or something like that, you can see that, you know, Spice Girls are – like I, I feel like these entertainment groups would view Spice Girls as very controversial, right, because they're mm. just so much more outspoken versus I think in these idol groups they're a lot more controlled. Mm. Like I wouldn't be – honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if they had some sort of formal written contract. They have agreed to – not say certain things or behave in certain ways mm-hmm. that contradict their concept or their image. I think a huge part of it is one, it's like the societal pressure, right? Because it's a very collective society. So when one person in the band exhibits a certain behavior that reflects badly on the rest of the group as well, right? Mm. If one person in the group rebels, then the fans kind of see it as, wow, the entire group stands for this message. And yeah. I know that's like... That's obviously not not every fan is going to think the same way, but I think that's what the entertainment groups fear. So mm. that's why they put those strict guidelines or strict contracts into place so these idol groups don't slip up, so that they maintain this image. Mm. It's it's a very, like, image-focused yeah, 100%. It's concept, like, right? It's like walking around with an Instagram filter 24-7. That's what they have to do. Yeah, it's very filtered, actually. Yeah. Yeah. And, like, even things such as talking about love and relationships and things like that. Oh, that's hella taboo. Why do you – Why do you, yeah, why do you reckon that is? Honestly, I think it's because of the fan base. I guess, like, one of the reasons why they want their members to be single, I guess, is because that's, a, like, an appealing sense for the mem- – like, for the fans. Because the fans 
like it sounds like weird but I guess one of the like the one of the reasons why they see them as idols or they look up to them or not even up to them but like I guess they fantasize about them is because they imagine like themselves being with this particular mm. idol like that's why they're so <laughs> obsessed and stuff um yeah. look I've been through that phase as well like, <laughs> but it's kind of like if the idol was to get into a relationship with someone it kind of takes away that sort of fantasy Mm, it's a big you. fantasy element hey yeah it's a big yeah. massive fantasy element it's kind of like you know when you see like a hot guy walking down the street and you're like oh shit oh he nice but then you find out he's taken and you're just like oh he kind of just like there's like that pit of disappointment that's what you know because at the end of the day these companies are trying to sell these groups out mm. to the public right mm-hmm. so um if that means them being single will be more appealing to the audience then they'll prefer it that way so i guess that mm-hmm. might be another reason why you know love dating and all that is so taboo like if you were to contrast it with i guess you know like justin bieber right so oh. a lot of girls obviously frost justin bieber but like when he was going with like selena gomez who was very public with these relationships you know there were the fans that obviously respected that relationship but there was also fans that sent his love interest death threats on the daily oh my god I think that it might be a part of it that's, like, they're very protective about their private lives. Yeah, 100%. Like, anyone in the public eye has to be mindful about their personal relationships because there's always going to be one crazy cookie out there who's going <laughs> to do something insane. So. Could be a choc chip cookie. Could be a... <laughs> These fans have so much power, if you think about it, right? Mm. So the way that you'd kind of view the K-pop economic cycle in a sense, is, okay, so these huge, big-ass, powerful companies invest so much money into these idol groups to help them debut, okay? Mm-hmm. They invest so much, whether that be through, you know, feeding them, whether it be through paying for their lessons, whether it be through PR, all of this shit, they invest so much money. Yeah. And then what happens is when these idol groups debut, these entertainment groups hope that they make that money back Okay, through, you know, selling records, that type of thing. Mm. So then they'll get a cut of that. But if they don't make it back, these idol groups actually have to pay these entertainment groups or these managers back the money. So they're, in a sense, in a huge debt. If you're going to, like, prosper, you really have to make it huge in order to be able to pay the entertainment group back. So you essentially owe them a huge debt. And so where is this money coming from? This money is coming from the fans. So the fans not only give you the capital but they are also their dedication to you is a huge reason why you have a career in the first place don't you reckon Mm. yeah and so like obviously like there's so many positives behind this because it means you have a wealth of support and like for an example there was a trump rally that had a huge portion of the bts army that was based in america to register for this event so that trump thought that so many people would rock up right (laughs) next minute he goes and like hardly anyone is there And it just goes to show the power, the positive power that can come behind these K-pop fans. K-pop names are very intentional. And this is so Mm. that they can be translated across different countries. And I thought that this was so interesting because it just goes to show, again, the incredible thought that goes behind these groups, right? Yeah. So it's like they use, if you notice, like, for example, BTS. Mm. Like, that is so easy to pronounce because it's literally letters that are in, you know, a multitude of different alphabets across the world. Or, you know, 2 p.m., XO. Yeah, true. Yeah, these names are so easily 
transferable across the globe because what they hope to do is they hope these groups not only to prosper within Asia, but they also hope that these groups prosper in the Western world as well because they know influence and power that they will be able to gain in in those countries as well. Definitely see what you mean by like they're trying to expand to different cultures because they've got seven. Um, mm-hmm. they, they're band members. There are some from different, like, you know, I think one of them's Thai and they're different from different parts of the world as well. They created a song, they came up with a song, I think last year called Lullaby and they released Ooh. it in like a billion different languages. So there's one in English, ah. one in Korean. They come out like in heaps of languages, which I thought was like very interesting. Like they made their whole entire song in another language. Mm. That's awesome. I think they're putting so much effort into being marketable across different countries, right? Mm. And that's kind of like why these K-pop groups are so, so successful. Um, and if we were to jump into the the huge milestones that kind of paved the way for um, K-pop or the Hallyu wave to, you know, infiltrate in different markets around the world. So as we touched on before, Sayo Taji and the boys they are the OGs, mm-hmm. man. Like, they were around in the 1990s, um, a trio consisting of Seyo Taji, Yang Hyun Suk, and Lee Juno. And so, yeah, they came out of the gate with the, the whole fusion of Korean lyrics, but then also this American rap kind of vibe, which mm. was really appealing to so many different people. And I think one of the reasons why it's so appealing is because it had never been done before. There yeah. were censorship laws back in Korea around this time or a bit before this time really? it meant that a lot of the music was very I guess you would say quote-unquote safe or very like PG PG and I think it, so there was something exciting about seeing this kind of rebel against the common culture if mm. that even makes sense that was so appealing to to so many people which is why they made such a huge mark and then you know um Obviously, there were a lot of other groups that paved the way as well. But one actual particular person who is a Korean rapper, he is the infamous Psy, Gangnam Style. (laughs) He actually surpassed Justin Bieber's baby music video. He reached 1 billion views, which was incredible. So Gangnam Style went viral, right? Mm. If we were to look at it, Psy kind of had a bit of a satirical commentary on the whole K-pop music video so if you if you watch k-pop music videos holy shit they're an art form within themselves right like the colors the concepts the choreography everything about it is just absolutely amazing and i think sai kind of did a bit of a play on that and yeah it just obviously got the attention of crowds around the world and it became like a a yeah that was crazy This episode is brought to you by Scoopy Milk Bar. Scoopy is a Melbourne-based dessert brand that currently specialises in deliciously refreshing Korean bingsu. It's our go-to dessert place that has plenty of good vibes and you know how much Twi and I love them good vibes and so many yummy flavours to choose from. So Tiana, tell me. What's your favourite flavour? Well, Toya, I'm glad you asked. I do love myself some mango. It really hits the spot with a burst of mango pearls and milk mochi. And gotta love pouring in the condensed milk on that mountain of scoopy goodness. And what about yourself, Toya? Well, my favourite has got to be taro. It's not too overly sweet and I reckon the toppings work super well together. Like you've got taro mochi, tapioca pearls, and it's also topped with condensed milk too. But yeah... 
It's awesome how Scooby was founded by fellow Aussie Asians who wanted to spread their Asian heritage and upbringing through food. Got a cheeky discount code for you lovely listeners. So be sure to use the code UA15 when you check out on their digital platform for 15% off. That's right, 15% off. Note that this deal is currently available for the rest of February 2021. So get in quick and treat yourself. Thank you so much, Scoopy Milk Bar, for sponsoring this episode. I was watching an interview and Sai was actually saying that he was incredibly surprised by the reception that he had from this song because mm. he didn't know that this song would take off like it did. And it just goes to show like how unpredictable like viral videos can be. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It's like I know there's so many different books and classes on what makes something viral, but it's just it's very unpredictable. It just depends on what the people are into at that point in time and then obviously there are many many other groups in between but 2017 we cannot fail to talk about bts oh uh, yes my boys mm-hmm. bts <laughs> holy fuck man yeah dude i went through a motherfucking phase girl like i had posters i had fucking everything i bought their merch i bought their cds my god holy shit i was like literally obsessed with them like, I remember a few years ago, I stumbled across one of their videos mm-hmm, and it was, mm-hmm. um, I think it was Blood, Sweat and Tears. And I went through a phase where I was kind of like, I didn't want to fall into the world of K-pop again because I had gone through that phase like a few <laughs> years back. And I was just like, nah, mm-hmm. you know what, I, you know, I finally got out of that hole, not falling back into it again. So I saw the video, it was trending number one, but I refused to watch it. Fast forward a year later... I came across it again and I was just like, you know what? I'm f- fuck it. I'll give in. I'll have a go. I'll watch it. Mm-hmm. Bitch. I fell in love. <laughs> Motherfucker. I fell in love, girl. Like, oh my God. Okay. So there's one member of it. Um, One member of BTS. His name is Jimin. Mm-hmm. And holy fuck. He's one motherfucking sexy. <laughs> and he does like this move in the video where it's just like, Wow, he, he just does this, like, sweeping, like, jacket-off-the-shoulder movement, and I literally fell in love on the spot. <laughs> but, yeah, there's just so many amazing things about it, like, the video itself, like, the costumes, the stage design, the choreography, just everything about it is just a fucking masterpiece. And, oh, my God, I fell in love. I was obsessed. And, yeah, I kind of just, like, stemmed from them, like, my low-key obsession for them. You know, one of the reasons why I think they're so successful is that they have so much content mm-hmm, out mm-hmm. there for you to consume. Like, there's just so much content for the fans that you can't help but fall in love with them <laughs> because they've got videos of them, like, behind the scenes and they've, they always mm-hmm. vlog. They always um, live stream with their fans using this app called VLive. And they're also very interactive with their fans. Like, their fans would ask questions or answer mm-hmm. on the spot, answer live. Um, yeah, it's just, like, the fan service that they give back to their fans is really good it's like high quality shit and i think they were one of the very first k-pop groups to actually do that like give that sort of loyalty back to their fan base mm-hmm, mm-hmm. um yeah which is why a lot of people like them <laughs> fucking including myself <laughs> um but i think um one of the things that i really like about the group is that they're very really, they're very vulnerable mm. they show that they're not always happy they can be sad and it just makes them human again because like in Korea, people idolize K-pop idols. <laughs> idolize K-pop idols. People see them as like gods and, you know, they put them on like a pedestal. But what BTS did, what BTS does is kind of like bring it back. Like, hey, we're human too. You know, we're just 
an average person like mm. you and me. Mm-hmm. Um, they're more humble. Oh, they're really, really humble. Like mm. they have come from some humble ass motherfucking beginnings. Like yeah. back then, no one knew who the fuck they were. Like I remember they um, did this thing where this was before they were super famous. They actually went to America and gave like, um, like performed on the streets and stuff. And no one knew who the fuck they were. Like they were walking around without any masks, without any security guards. They were just like, you know, jumping around, being all goofy and shit. But yeah, and now it's just like completely different. Also, would you say because each member kind of has a different personality or brings something different to the table, you can kind of relate to each one in a different way and that, I guess, increases the appeal? Yeah, of course. They're like super fucking unique. Each one of them bring like something to the table and it's just so cute how they fucking interact with each other. They're like one big happy family. Oh, yeah. oh my God. They're just, oh, this is mm-hmm. so adorable. Oh my God. Like I can see Tui on camera right now because we're recording remotely. <laughs> She's just fangirling so hard. I love it. I love it. Yeah, no, it was definitely, and I, and I definitely like what you touched on before about their vulnerability because I think just reading about BTS and seeing how they are very open about their feelings and what they stand for. Mm. And I think they're kind of like one of the first groups to actually write songs that reflect something a bit deeper, like yeah. in terms of they have a lot of subversive themes. People in our generation can really relate to what they say. Like they talk about pressures and they talk about mental health and they're very open about these topics that were considered taboo for so long. And so it's kind of like they're breaking the mold in a sense. And that's mm. really like a testament to how... Yeah, on the forefront of this industry, which is incredible. And now they're fucking everywhere. Legit. You know, which is which is honestly, it's it's amazing. Like I think it's so cool to to look at like the Billboard charts that's like traditionally flooded by you know, only a certain type of artist. And now to see artists from Asia infiltrating is absolutely amazing. It just goes to show how music and movies and all of these different art forms shouldn't be restricted by the origin of the story, if that makes sense. It shouldn't just be, you know, Asian stuff just appeals to Asians or, you know, white people stuff just appeals to white people. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's so beautiful to see this diversification, which is awesome. Also, something that I wanted to bring up, actually, this is a conversation that I had with a friend the other day and um, we were talking about, you know how like these big groups like BTS, mm. Blackpink, they have made such a huge impact. And I think a lot of Western artists are seeing that mm. and they are collaborating with these artists. Um, there's a bit of controversy there because some artists have been said that they're only using, you know, BTS or Blackpink for clout, right? Versus other people are saying, oh no, it's good because it means that it helps propel them to a new audience. What do you reckon? Like, are you for it? Are you against it? Do you think it's good or do you think like there's something shady or what do you reckon? I think at the end of the day, if they're producing good content that both party members are, you know, happy with and proud of, then mm. I guess there's no hurt in advertising or spreading the message that way. It's good to see international collaborations because again, it does give exposure for both parties, which is great. So there's like that mutual benefit there but I think I would like preface that with it's important that these western artists don't take advantage of BTS or Blackpink or any other groups that are collaborating with these western artists at the moment because there was this instance I think it was with Jason Derulo and Mm. BTS and he basically didn't 
give them credit for this song that kind of went viral. The BTS fans were really angry and they were calling him a clout chaser and that type of thing. And I think since then he has, you know, remediated that situation. But I think at the same time, it also just goes to show that it's so important that credit is given where, you know, Mm. it's deserved. Yeah, they need to maintain that kind of like mutual respect amongst each other. For sure, for sure. It's all part of like, you know, it's all music at the end of the day, but one party shouldn't look down upon another yeah you just wanted to be seen on the same level you know what i mean like the waters get murky or muddy when you start to think oh well just because like i'm doing so well in america right now and you're just coming on the scene i can take advantage of you and Mm. yeah so i guess this conversation kind of leads into like the darker side of k-pop hey guys before we get into more depth about the dark side of k-pop we want to give a trigger warning. We will be discussing different instances that involve suicide and sexual assault. Um, if you require any further help, we will also be including important links in the description below. So, you know, before we spoke about how it's become such a worldwide phenomenon, like K-pop has received so much attention in the past few years, but, you know, there's two sides of every coin. You know, what's on the other side? What's on the dark side? What goes on behind closed doors? So, yeah, before we touched on a lot of their training regimens and how, like, it's very, very strict. And there's a lot of videos that have surfaced about people who were in K-pop groups who have come forward and said, hey, like, I was not allowed to eat a certain amount of food. My managers were so strict that they would ban it. They would take it away. I wasn't allowed to communicate with my family members. Like, they took away everything so Mm. that we could just focus on the craft rather than having any distractions. And also other pressures as well. Like, for an example, with the whole dieting thing, it's like there's this pressure to be a certain weight. And Mm. these societal beauty pressures that are projected on these people um, is very detrimental. It can be very detrimental to the mental health. And I think, as we said before, like as mental health is still a little bit taboo in certain parts of, of Korea, it means that they're not being taken care of in the same way that they should be. So I think a testament to how tough these programs are, not only taxing on the body, but also on the mind is through a lot of the really, really sad events that have happened with, Um, k-pop idols committing suicide i just wanted to read something from a bloomberg article so in december 2017 lead singer kim jong-hyun died by suicide in a soul apartment and there was a note that said the depression slowly chipped away at me finally devouring me it wasn't my path to become world famous it's a miracle that i endured all this time yeah that's fucking sad as and apparently at SM Town, which is the singer's management company, Kim's death never happened. An otherwise detailed chronology of the band makes no mention of it. On one side of the relevant date, he's in the photos, and on the other side, he isn't. So they never really actually took accountability or ownership of, of what happened. And it's incredibly sad to see or, or read about it because it just goes to show that these people are human. At the end of the day, they're human. They're not products. Yeah. They are not... Um, they don't live specifically for you, right? These humans are people mm-hmm. with feelings and with thoughts and with needs and whether that be physical or mental. And so we mm-hmm. really need, and I think we owe these people respect and and support 
especially when they're going through something like this. It's, yeah, no, yeah, I feel you. And I'm hoping that like with these new groups that have come out and like, for example, BTS being so open about these issues, I'm hoping that these companies are changing their traditional mindset and giving support to their idols. And who knows, they might be. We just, we're just not sure about it. But yeah, no, I hope that the industry itself start to take this shit sort of seriously and understand and make mental health a priority for their employees. Okay, so another thing that I wanted to mention is um, I read this article called The Dark Side of K-Pop, Assault, Prostitution, Suicide and Spy Cams. And it was written by Matthew Campbell and Sohee Kim. And it's about the wave of scandals that have brought unwanted attention to South Korea's squeaky clean music industry. Oh my god, this is about Big Bang, yeah? Oh, holy shit. Was it about Sungri from Big Bang? There was a bit of a scandal with Sungri. That a lot of these K-pop idols, right... They not only perform and record songs and dedicate their lives to music, but a lot of them also diversify their portfolio a bit and invest in, you know, whether it be a food chain or they invest in um, nightclubs and that type of thing. Um, And they kind of diversify it a bit because they know that there'll be a point in time where um, there's a bit of a slump in their success, right? Mm -hmm. So this K-pop idol, um, he owns a nightclub called Burning Sun and there was a lot of scandal linked to Burning Sun. A series of events and allegations related to things such as sex trafficking, date rape, spy camera recordings and bribery were linked to Sengri. This whole scandal began in um, when a man actually said he got beaten up by guards for trying to stop a sexual assault happening at Burning Sun. So this is a nightclub in Seoul, right? And these claims spiralled into also those other allegations that I mentioned before. Dungri and several other idols were under criminal investigation, whilst the founder of YG Entertainment, the label responsible for the K-pop's first global crossover hit, Gangnam Star, resigned as a result of the turmoil. So a lot of these things were saying stuff like, okay, women in these clubs, they were drugged. Um, and then also, like, for an example, these powerful guys, they would put cameras in the bathroom, the female bathrooms, so um, a lot of, yeah, sex trafficking again. So it's like basically selling these women as kind of pawns in, in chess, if you'd like to compare it that way. So basically using them as a bit of leverage um, to do business deals and that type of thing. So there was a lot of this negative mm all of this negative press going around about this club and about all of these things happening, a lot of people coming forward. And it's kind of sad because it does play into this whole idea of, you know, there is a bit of a lack of, I guess, respect when it comes to females in this industry as well and that they're just so mm. easily used by the more powerful males or figures within this industry. It's, like, interesting. I watched a YouTube video where... Um, this chick, she used to be part of the K-pop industry, but she's since retired or she's like left on mm. her own. Her friend mm-hmm. is a CEO. He's like really top dog, top dog, right? Mm. And apparently mm-hmm. he was approached by one of these management companies, like entertainment management mm. companies. And they asked him, hey, um, if you pay, if you give us $50,000, we'll let you go on a date or let you have dinner with this famous celebrity. And they didn't oh, wow. name any names, but apparently she was really big, like quite famous. Yeah. So, I think I've seen this video. I think I've seen mm. it. Uh, her name yeah. is like, it says a G yeah, or something, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, okay. So they're kind of selling off these 
experiences with all these girls right but sometimes the girls aren't even aware that they're being sold off on that way like maybe their mm. manager manager might come up to them and say hey um you're we've organized a dinner with you and this guy is it okay if you go or you've got a dinner at this like you know this is part of your schedule you've got a dinner with this person at this time mm. just go mm-hmm. just rock up but little do they know they're actually getting like a shit ton of fucking money from it it happens a lot. Like she also spoke about how in, I think this is quite common in Asian culture in general, but in Korean culture, they do, they have like a, a lot of business meetings where they mm-hmm. have like a dinner and then like they drink up, drink a lot of alcohol and just party. But it's also like considered a business meeting. Mm-hmm. And at these business mm-hmm. meetings, mm-hmm. they will bring along girls as forms of entertainment. Mm-hmm. So those girls would um, could have been like ex-celebrities or ex-trainees whatever but again it's kind of selling off these girls bringing them to these events for god knows fucking what they're going to do with them but you know what i mean Mm -hmm. it's it's very derogatory yeah and it's it's crazy that it seems like it's so normalized Mm. within this culture like this underground scene um but yeah, like on the back of this and, and what happened was um, Sengari actually retired from, uh, he announced that he retired from the entertainment industry. Um, mm-hmm. The same day, the Korean press published chat transcriptions showing another star showing videos of sex, par- sex partners apparently taken without their knowledge. And then someone in the chat said, you raped her, followed by like a laughing face. And so like, as I said before, it's just very, very shocking also very sad to see that this is so normalized within this culture within this industry and I know that this is just probably like this is one type of incident there's other incidences but there's also you know good incidences so as we said before like it just goes to show that this industry is just so complex and there's so many different facets of it um which makes it fascinating but also um the dark side of this industry is also just so vulgar and, and and gross as well so yeah at the end of the day, it's so important that when you put on your critical thinking hat and try to see that there's always going to be multiple facets and sides of the story. There's always going to be, um, you know, the happy candy pop side of the story, but there's also always going to be um, a lot of dark shit that happens. And it's important that we're made aware of it because then hopefully as a society, we can um, try to change these things and stop them from being so normalized and hold people accountable for the shit that they do rather than blindly supporting them because we think that they're amazing on the other side of the the coin it's also supporting those that we know are going through a lot of hard shit at the time as well so yeah that kind of wraps up our k-pop episode (laughs) we hope that you enjoyed it we know it was a a bit of a whirlwind we covered a lot of things here hey Mm. toy yeah we did but also, we did speak about a lot, but it's only the surface. We've only touched it the surface. It is. We've oh my literally God, so just much touched the surface. More in this industry, and it's just going to mm-hmm. keep growing as well. So yeah. I'm excited to see where it will go. You know yeah. how much how much continuous influence it's going to have on the world, and the things that are going to come out of it. And now we're moving on to recommendation time. This is the segment where Twee and I basically tell you guys the random shit or music, movies, food, anything that we want to recommend you guys for the week. So start us off, Twee, what are you recommending for us this week? On theme, I am recommending a music video by a K-pop artist called Kai and Mm. it's called Mmm. 
it's literally called M M M H. Just type it yeah. in YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. Wow, it's fucking spectacular. Mm-hmm. It's literally, oh, it's beautiful. The music video itself is beautiful. The main guy, um, Kai, the artist, he's beautiful. But mm-hmm. um, no, what I really like about it is the visuals in the music video. It's very mm-hmm. aesthetically pr- pleasing. And I feel as though they've taken all the visual effects humanely possible and shoved into one video. And that's what this is. It's fucking great. Mm-hmm. Listen to it. And the song itself is quite catchy as well. Love that. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tiana? What's your recommendation for today? Okay, my recommendation is a little bit of a throwback. Um, but this was basically, I remember when I heard about BTS and I, I'm always late to the party when it comes to these things. Um, but I remember like typing BTS into YouTube and I came across the BTS speech at the United Nations, oh, which Toy, I'm sure you've watched it before. Yes. So it goes through about uh, six and a half minutes. Um, but BTS basically was supporting the launch of Generation Unlimited, which is a new global partnership to help every young person into quality education, training or employment by 2030. And this speech was absolutely phenomenal. Like, mind you, I had no idea going into it about BTS. This is one of the first videos that I was that exposed me to this band and I just found it so incredible um RM who was um the spokesperson who delivered the speech he's so incredibly intelligent yeah it just was amazing and I really recommend you watch it if you haven't before because I think it really just goes to show how exciting like this space can be like to have people that are really standing for um important issues and advocating for these issues it's it's incredible to see and i think it's so inspiring for young people as well so mm-hmm. yeah definitely recommend watching the video for a bit of inspo you know you guys know that i love some <laughs> inspo <laughs> so thank you so much for listening it has been quite a journey but i hope to enjoy it every second of it if you would like to listen more check us out on spotify itunes castbox and google podcast why did i say that so weird and google podcast and um, yes. you can also find us on the socials as well at unapologetically AZN. Yes, we're on Insta. Come follow us. Um, join the party. But yeah, thank you so much, you guys. We always appreciate every single listen um, and love and support that we have. And we hope. Oh, and also, you know, if you enjoy this episode, you know, share it, you know, <laughs> share it to your story. <laughs> share it with your friends. Let a brother or sister know that you enjoyed it. Um, But yeah, we appreciate it so much and love you guys. Hope you're having a great, fabulous time. We out. We out. Love y'all. Bye. Bye.